0: are listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast. This is Andrea Parrott from RAGBRAI. And Parrot talk. That's right, I'm here by myself today. The guys are on vacation and it's not that Murph didn't want to talk to me, it's that I can't figure out how to hook up my phone to the recorder. Not my proudest day tech wise, but we're going to go ahead with what we had planned because why not? Um, so the segment, I'm just going to go ahead and spoiler alert. The segment that we're going to have today is Murph is interviewing Mr. Porkchop with kind of a behind the scenes look at RAGBRAI and how he prepares for RAGBRAI. Like I don't want to know how the pig becomes a chop, but what I would love to know all the ins and outs of what goes into getting that big pink bus out in the ride. So we're going to hear about that later. And Murph was planning on asking me a little bit about how Ragbri prepares for the ride. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead with that. So, Murph wants to know, Hi Andrea, uh, what is preparations like for Ragbri every year? Well, Murph, that's a great question. Um, First of all, we start preparing year-round. I work for Ragbri year-round. I have already started talking to TJ about the logo. It is now August for those of you who might not listen to this when it first comes out. Um, And we'll keep working on it through the winter until the route announcement party when things really kick off. Um, And at that time we start ordering merchandise, we start getting wristband registration stuff ready. And although registration will have been going on since November, but we'll get the physical materials in and we'll start packaging. And I have an intern who helps me year round But then we'll have a couple more high school and college kids come in to really help focus on getting wristbands packaged and out the door and ready to go. Now, look, we will occasionally have some bumps in the road. That's part of having an event. Sometimes the wristbands get out earlier, sometimes they get out later. And that kind of changes how we pack for the ride. So we pack for the ride with the kids. Um, Sometimes we do more, sometimes we do less. But it all goes down here in our office building downtown Des Moines. Um, Once we feel like maybe say like the week before the ride we will when we're at a certain point of readiness we will go out to the farm and it is literally a farm on the west side of Des Moines and we will put all of our merchandise trailers out there our baggage trailer out there and we will basically clean everything up and we will pack those trailers full of merchandise and we will get things organized on our supply trucks and this is a whole orchestrated thing in which there's people picking up vehicles like the rental trucks The rider trucks that we'll be putting our merch in and bringing the trailers in. And it takes about a day just to get the vehicles in place. And then we do this and, like, get the trucks full of merchandise, like, the actual supply trucks full of merchandise. And then we get it all out to the farm. And the next day, we organize it within the trailers. So it's a two-day process of packing. Well, not just packing, but, like, actually physically getting all of our stuff ready to go for the ride. And that involves warehouse trips, sag wagon trips. It's just a whole big ballet of things and we do it very similarly every year but it goes differently every year because there's a lot of moving pieces um this year while we were packing up the merchandise trailers there was a huge storm so we had we were delayed two hours standing inside of a big morton building in rural iowa with a huge storm rolling over us and we had like frantically put all the merchandise in totes underneath the merchandise trailers hoping that it would stay dry and for the most part it did but there was one box of jerseys that one of our employees had to take home and air out in her basement on her drying racks and it turned out well everything's fine but like it's uh it's a process and that would be maybe the Tuesday or Wednesday before the ride so then we have a couple days in the office refocus recenter let's get ready for bright and do all the other things that we forgot to do basically and I will leave for the ride on the Friday before the ride um, and get out to the start town, which this year was Council Bluffs. So, okay, Andrea, how big is your team? This is Morphology, by the way. <clears throat> okay, Morphology, that's a great question. Uh, there are four full-time Ragby staff members who work year-round. Um, like I said, I have an intern, uh, Madison Madtown, who she works part-time for some of the year and then full-time during the summer uh, because she is awesome. And she helps me with merchandise predominantly, but she will also help with wristbands. Then we have a wristband crew of uh, four or five kids that will come in, Um, one college student, the rest high school students that will just help us get our stuff together. And that's it for during the ride. Oh, and we also have a graphic designer. How could I ever forget our graphic designer, Suzanne? She's actually the mom of my intern, Madison. So um, she helps us a lot in getting ready with all of our printed materials and T-shirts and things like that for the ride. And she also helps me work in the merchandise trailers for at least part of the week. So uh, all-star. Um, so then during the ride itself, the staff of Ragbri balloons up to about 50 people, and that includes side wagon drivers, merchandise crew, baggage technicians, and all the other people that would involve ragbri specific activities. Now, beyond that, there are thousands of volunteers that come from the towns, if you interact from with someone in the town and they're not wearing a light blue shirt, they probably reckon, um, represent the town itself, as opposed to "quote unquote" rugby proper. Um, if that makes sense, we let the towns do a lot of their own organizing. We let them do a lot of their own planning. First of all, because every town is unique and we can't really blanket statement every town, and it helps them um, budget accordingly. You know, in a way that they feel is appropriate. And they're comfortable with, and then they receive all the profits that they get from the people coming to visit their town. So it's a good arrangement. Anyway, so four full-time ragbri staff members, a graphic designer, my intern, four or five kids that do wristband packaging, and 50 people on the ride. And that's how you do Ragbri, plus the help of thousands of volunteers who we are eternally grateful to. Um, We really couldn't do ragbri without the hospitality of Iowans and the um, good heart of many people who live here. All right, so next question. All right, AP, how do you keep your trailers full of merchandise during the week? Tell me a little bit about the logistics of stocking merchandise and how does that work? All right, Murph, great question. Um, Basically, in a nutshell, we have couple big rider trucks that follow our merchandise trailers around. And those rider trucks have color-coded merchandise with an inventory system that I use to stock the trailers. The reason that it's offline like that is because, well, have you ever tried to get the internet or use your cell phone on RAGBRAI? It needs to be old school and it is an old school system. Um, When we're back in the office, we move up to new school um, and... You know, we, There could be some improvements, but that's how we do it. Um, it's all in a truck, and we have a truck captain for each truck, and that captain is in charge of communicating with the trailers by radio and they um, or in person, and they run back and forth between the trailers uh, to stock, uh, make sure that they have enough stuff at all times. And that's at the beginning of the week. Toward the end of the week, we do start running out of merchandise because, as I always tell my employees, if we run out of merch, you get to go home early. So they try, haven't done it yet, uh, but it's always our uh, quote unquote goal uh, besides helping people have fun on vacation. Uh, So anyway, so that's a little bit of that. There's pretty significant amounts of cabinet space in the trailers and we have little drawers and um, little organizational things like that inside the trailers. So it's not super glamorous, but it does work. Um, because they can get pretty fast and furious inside those merch trailers when people start coming up for their patches and for jerseys and for T-shirts and things like that, um, different sizes and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's in a nutshell how we run the merchandise. We usually try to pull the trailers out of the towns at night. Um, it depends on the crowd. If you were there in Burlington, you probably saw us bringing the merchandise trailers through a giant crowd <laughs> of people. Um, That's one of my favorite stories because, A, the crowd was so nice and accommodating. But we didn't know that ahead of time. And I told the kids in the trailers, all right, have you ever seen the movie Mighty Ducks? Because what we're going to do is we're going to form a flying V in front of the trailer and the truck in the trailer. And we are going to make sure that everyone is politely but firmly. We ask everyone to get out of the way so that we can pull the truck through Um, And so we literally did that. We got in a V-shape and we went, quack, quack. Actually, we went, uh, coming through, please move, really sorry, excuse us. (laughs) So, (laughs) and that's partially how I lost my voice on the ride. But anyway, um, people were really great and they moved out of the way. And in fact, some people with orange vests showed up and they helped us move the truck out. And sometimes uh, local police or troopers will show up and help us move the truck out. So we move it. Sometimes we'll stay in the same town as everyone else and sometimes we'll move ahead Um, In Burlington, we actually stayed in Keokuk that night, for example. So it just kind of depends. And when we move ahead to the next town, we will place the trailers ahead of time. So those trailers will be outside of or exactly where they're going to be the night before. And sometimes we pull them god awfully early in the morning. It just depends on the logistics of the situation. So. I just hit the microphone stand really hard right there, so I hope that you didn't hear that. Okay, so that's the basics of it, and then the crew travels um, separately. We try to separ- stagger the opening times of the trailers so that they'll, within reason, they'll be open whenever people are there. But you can't cover 100% of the people all the time. We just try to cover the most as possible, and when the route is open, we will be open no matter what. So in Keokuk, we, the route was open till 4. We stayed open till 4. Um, because we want to make sure that we're there for you. All right, so that's the end of Murph's questions for me. Um, I hope you enjoyed that to some extent. Um, if you have more questions about how we do ragbri and how the gears and pieces work, um, you can go ahead and ask me on for an official pair talk. I'd love to talk about it more. I'm just not really sure what would actually be interesting to people, if any. Um, so you can uh, get a hold of us at Just Go Bike Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can email me at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. I also have a personal Twitter that I use um, a lot called ragby underscore Andrea. Feel free to tweet me. I love tweeting back and forth with you either anytime. Um, okay. So without any more ado, let's get into Murph's interview of Pork Chop Jr.
1: Well, hello, Just Go Bike podcast listeners, a.k.a. Murph here, and today I'm talking with Matt Bernard, also known as Mr. Porkchop. Hey, Matt.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Well, I've mentioned this before on a previous podcast, but one of my favorite things to see each day of RAGBRAI is the pink bus. It's usually kind of at the top of a hill or just over a hill, uh, along with the sight of the smoke of the pork chops being grilled. Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite sites. Um, typically seen between <laughs> towns on the route. So for me, it's a, such a welcome break. I look forward, it, forward to it every day. Um, and Matt lives it because he's there all week long of rag Right, right, Matt.
2: Uh, I, I am there. <laughs> I get to see all you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping so. Stopping in, breathing hard. Yep. All fired out.
1: Eating a pork chop and, uh, Enjoying all the other stuff that's at your stop. So, um, so the pork job stop has been around as long as I can remember, and I started Ragbrai in '97. So, how long have you been part of the Ragbrai experience?
2: Well, they came through my hometown of Bancroft uh, in 1982, and uh, my dad was a pork producer. He was always he was always promoting pork. And he would go around grilling for all these festivals and functions and stuff mm-hmm. just to promote the Iowa, the Iowa chop. And they they came through Bancroft, and we grilled for them using corn cobs. And they just loved it, and they, they were telling him he needed to go on rag bra. So that's when he started going on 1983 it was his first year of going on rag bra.
1: Wow. And the tradition has not ended because now you are the the voice and the face of pork chop
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing it's a little of both <laughs> times, but, uh, well you, how you get to meet a you get to meet a ton of great people, yeah and it's like like I said before, it's like a family family reunion every year
1: oh for sure, yeah uh, and I,
2: reg, and I'm
1: sure you've got a gazillion people that, you know, you see once a year so they come every year but then you also have an equal number of people that have yet to experience your stop and they probably are just having the time of their lives as well.
2: Yeah, um we we get that every day if somebody comes up and says I've I've driven by here a lot I've never stopped this, this is my first port shop. Wow. And And then, you know, you have to ask them why they waited so long with (laughs) everybody telling them to stop in there. But it's amazing the the amount of people that haven't at this point. Yeah.
1: Well, how did the, um, I'm going to call it the famous pink bus, but how did the famous pink bus come to be?
2: Well, when Dad started, he was using, uh, he would just use, a stock trailer to haul the cobs, and sometimes you'd rent rent a van or something to haul everything in. And then, at one point, he bought a bus and and modified it for going on ragbri. Um, and in 1998, which happened to be the year that we decided to do Team Port Chop, mm-hmm. and I was riding. Uh, after they got done with the first day, they were heading to the second spot, and they rolled the bus, so he had to he had to buy a different bus and modify mm. it again and then he had us come come to Bancroft to help paint it, and we decided, you know what? we're gonna make this thing look like a pig, <laughs> so we painted it pink and put a little pig face on it, smears and the rest is history.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine. I know almost every year I get a photograph either in front of the bus or on the side of the bus. I bet you that bus is in thousands of photographs.
2: <laughs> well, uh the one year I repainted it and I didn't couldn't find anybody to put decals and stuff on it, so I had Mr. Porch up on the side, but I didn't <clears throat> I didn't have very much on the bus as far as decals so i started asking the bikers just to sign it to fill up the pink on the bus oh yeah and and that caught on rather quickly so there's signatures all over the bus and this year i did um get a different bus and modified it and so i got a i got a newer bus the old the other one was was at its its end (laughs) the gears were going out and I'm sure it wasn't b o t uh qualified anymore, <laughs> so <laughs> i had to had to move along, but yeah. they already started starting the heck out of this one, yeah, That's pretty cool though.
1: yeah, definitely um well, let's talk a little bit about behind the scenes um as far as you know as a cyclist, all I see is I pull up you've already got pork chops grilling. You've got the bus all set up. You've got a beautiful shady area for us to hang out. Um, But I'm sure there's a ton of work that goes in before that day. Um, First off, how do you choose your locations and how far in advance do you secure them?
2: Well, um, I just have to wait till the route comes out. And then I go down and drive the route. And I want to be out a little ways. I don't want to be right away in the morning. Right. But I don't don't want to be toward the end either. So, you know, try to get somewhere in the middle. And then, you know, just knock on doors and explain to the people what's happening. And some people uh, are not very hip on the idea. (laughs) Some people are. Like uh, this year, we set up on day one with Ron and Jan Elliott uh from Minden, Iowa and we've been there four different times. This this was our fourth year that we set up there but they love it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where I met the the pie lady too, the Kelly's Berry Best Pies. And she started going on with me. But I I didn't have to go down and look for that spot cuz they called me up right away when they found out that evidently the route coming out of uh, uh What's what's the name of the town that came out of the Counts Bus? Uh,
1: this year. yeah, I'm not very good at the maps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <any, anyway the, where the where they come out of um on that ride that they always go by this place. So it's oh, okay. kinda neat. Yeah. And they're they're just happy as heck to have us back every time. But no, I I go out and knock on doors and explain what's going on and, and get there okay and then stay in touch with them just to make sure that something didn't happen. So there's a lot, a lot involved in that just to make sure you have a spot for every day.
1: Oh, sure. And it's, it can't be a, a tiny, you know, a driveway. I mean, you you have to be able to accommodate a lot of cyclists.
2: Right. And that's a major challenge and it's getting a lot worse with the, the amount of vendors that we've had. And, you know, you have to, you want to be on the right-hand side of the road. You want to have a lot of off-landing for the bikes that mowed, you know, ditches and stuff. So it's a little bit of a challenge to to try to find the perfect spot or a good spot that's safe and yeah. and at the top of the hill, like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what time would you say your team gets started every day?
2: Uh, I get up about 5 o'clock. I actually don't sleep hardly at all because I'm a, <laughs> a little, you know, you just get nervous about, you want to make sure everything's up and running right, right, right. the next day. But, but we get up about 5, 5.30, and then we we try to figure out where everybody's going to set up, put their, you know, tents and stuff for a servant, and then get everybody organized and get the grilling as quick as we can because those bikers come by, Early. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, uh, I like to say it, it looks, it looks like it's, you know, well orchestrated and every time it kind of looks the same, but there's, a, there's, a it's a little crazy. It's organized chaos, <laughs> uh, the night before. And then, and then in the morning, everybody's trying to figure out where they need to put everything. And, but, it just seems to work out every time. So I was going to say,
1: good. you do you do something right, because it always looks great by the time I get there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is late afternoon? Yes. <laughs> it's always late, late, late.
1: Uh, so how would you describe, like, a typical day preparing for cyclists to come through? Because you've got, obviously, you've got the pork chops. You've got the corn cobs. You've got, you know, a bus full of stuff. Like, what's a typical day like?
2: Well, You get up and you, as I said, you basically figure out where everybody's setting up. You get the grill set up, which is a major job. And then, um, you kind of try to gauge the day, like how many riders are going to be and where you're at in the day. Right. And then, and then you, you grill and watch the crowd and try to slow down when they're, when you see the bikers, um, getting less and less but uh i have to grill about an hour ahead of time to have a, a load off so mm-hmm. i have to gauge the bikers as they're coming down the thing but there's a lot of educated guessing after 36 years you can get you know, but you never you can never outguess them the weather sometimes causes problems or, um a wreck or you know you don't you just don't know what yeah. what could come up that or bikers get tired and jump off the trail halfway or, sure, you know, you just never know.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like it's the same day, seven days in a row, but you're in an entirely different place doing the same thing. So it's, I, it would be, you're right. You have to have a lot of years of experience to kind of know the trend of the day when it's getting busy, when it's not. It's hats off to you.
2: <laughs> well, I learned a lot from Dad. Some of it was what to do, and some of it was not to do.
1: Sure, sure. And uh, he never,
2: he never used to go set up his sites ahead of time. And I, it was, it was always very stressful because once we got done cleaning up, we had, we'd have to go find him wherever he went and got a spot. And it, it got a little dicey to which spot you could get. So that's right. why I started doing doing that ahead of time.
1: Right. Well, and now, well, uh, we get oh, go ahead,
2: go ahead. I was just gonna say now well, we get we get done <laughs> you go <laughs> well, we get done at the end of the day, then we gotta take inventory, see how much stuff we're gonna need for the next day, send somebody into town, try to get all our stuff to the next site and and I'll meet the people that we're staying with, and uh you know get all our you know everybody into the site and we have to camp overnight there so that when we wake up in the morning, we're there. But we have to, there's a, a lot to getting from one spot to the next spot. Sure. Get everybody there. and Make sure we have all the stuff for the next day.
1: Yeah. And that was just to my next topic, which is, um, you know, back in the day we would stop at Mr. Pork Chop when your dad was running it and it would just be pork chops. That was it. And now you have like a whole village set up. you can get uh, lemonade, you can get a beer, you can get an ice cream sandwich, you can get a piece of pie you can actually you can get your phone charged like you've got a really good setup. How did that progress?
2: um well again, I was watching Dad through the years and and listening, and I rode ragbri a couple times, so I kind of kind of you know had some inside insight on. You know what what would be good, and we just my sister Audrey, she had been doing the slushies and uh and the Gatorade for quite a while with Dad, mm-hmm. and so that was <clears throat> that was already there, and then people would ask me if they could set up and and through trial and error uh i've I've got a pretty decent. Uh, pick of people, yeah. Uh, vendors that can set up with me, and, and that gets to be that can be hard too because they all have their stuff, and they all have to get there, and we all have to get fit in there. And so, but it it does work out when it's all ready to go after we get everything set up, and gives people more to pick from, right? Instead of just the chop.
1: Yeah and so that,
2: that was my that was my idea going into it is to have a few more vendors but you probably have more than I was thinking in the beginning but <laughs> the battery the battery guy was a pretty good he he got a hold of us one day a couple of years ago and I thought you know what that's a perfect idea people yeah. need batteries and they need to charge their phones and so
1: yeah, and I forgot about, uh, I didn't forget, but uh, Bike I was also with you, which is awesome because, you know, you get your pork chop, have a beer, and you're like, you know, I do need a new t-shirt or a jersey, and before you know it, boom, <laughs> <laughs> you're spending more money.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they come along, and of course, they're not selling food, so, yeah. doesn't, you know, just the little things like that that makes it a little more appealing. When yeah. you pull up, I got film with ice cream that, 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 comes out there and they do an awesome job oh yeah they, they have a great product too I think I eat about three or four sandwiches every day because <laughs> I don't have time to do a lot more and it's nice it's a it's a nice cool refreshing uh treat when you're on the grills
1: oh for sure yeah. yeah yeah well um besides Rag Bride do you does your bus and your crew do they go out to any other events
2: um Dad used to do a lot of events. I would go help him, <clears throat> but uh, it just it takes a lot of manpower and a lot of planning, and so I I just don't do a whole lot. Um, if it were something, if it were something bigger, like get into a a big fair or something, I would start doing that. But I pretty much pretty much stick to rag bright. Yeah. It takes me a while to get ready for it. I got family and friends and and people that help me, you know, get ready and go on it. It's all pretty much family and friends that help. It, it takes a, a lot of people to make that thing hum. So. I believe that,
1: yeah. Well, if people can't see you throughout the year, at least they know they can count on you every rag prize Is that that's the case, I hope?
2: Well, well, I think that's what makes it taste better, Yeah. I guess, is they... They only get it once a year, so true. Yeah, that is. Very <laughs> it
1: doesn't. True. It
2: doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt that they rode a bike twenty, thirty miles before they got to me, <laughs> so they're a little bit hungrier than normal.
1: Yeah, and they know, or we know, that you know the calories will get burned as the day goes on, so it's guiltless.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's when I rode Rag Bray, That was one of the fun things. You can eat and drink all you want, and yep. not have to worry about any you could still lose a little weight on rag bra. Right? Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Well, Matt, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. It's kind of nice to you know to hear the behind the scenes and um, I think everyone can probably assume that a lot of work goes into any vendor that's on the route, but it's kind of neat to uh, hear your your side of things.
2: Yeah, and you do hear a lot of people say, well, I should go on rag Brian, and sell this or sell that, but be careful what you wish for it's a <laughs> lot of work and and i've seen a lot of people come and go uh through the years because it it's just it's it it wears on you yeah but when when you see all the people having a great time and enjoying your products and and thanking you for being there that that makes it all worthwhile
1: oh yeah you've got at least from my perspective you've got a well oiled machine so you're doing something right
2: well you put pork chop grease on anything, it'll make it work.
1: So <laughs> maybe you could start marketing your paper towels, like <laughs> fried fried paper towels. Something you can have at the fair. No, I'm just kidding. Well, thanks Matt for being on the podcast.
2: I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. you. Well, listeners, I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Henry Matisse. There are always flowers for those who want to see them. Think about it.
0: then. Wasn't that a fantastic interview about the ins and outs and insides of being a pork chopper? Um, loved that. Thanks, Murph, for that great interview. You're welcome, babe. Uh, so, now this is since this is the closing of the episode, do you have any more questions for me, Morphology? Oh, yeah, I got one more question. So, thank you for talking about the uh, beginning of Packing for Rag Bride. Do you have any insight into what it's like that you would like to share for the rest of the pe- the listeners. Um, what's it like to unpack after the ride? What, how do you get back from Keokuk to Des Moines? Tell me more about that. Ah, <clears throat> Murph, um, that's a great question. That's the second half of the ride, is it not? Um, in some ways, I always say that this after post Ragbri is the most challenging part of working for Ragbri because you are tired. Um, we, on Saturday, The route closes, the merchandise trailers close, we always clean one merchandise trailer out completely, and we leave one untouched. Uh, I won't say any more about which one is which because I've probably already said too much for security reasons, so um, yeah. So we do that, we go out, we have a nice big dinner, we have a great time in the overnight host town, and then we wake up the next morning at about 8 o'clock and we hit the road back to Des Moines. And that's not where it ends, surprisingly. Um, We all go back to the office here at the Des Moines Register and we unpack the trucks, the supply trucks, and any merchandise, any um, routes, you know, all the different ins and outs, little bits and pieces that it takes to run RAGBRAI. All the signage, all the, the route signs and things like that we have a warehouse for. So then after we unpack here at the office with the more like inside stuff, We put the outside stuff like the cones, the sag wagon signs, the sag wagon trailers. Everything goes out to a warehouse. Okay, so we get all that done. Guess what? We're still not done. We then drive out to the farm where a lot of people are parked, drop them off, and then we have to drop off a whole fleet of rental vehicles. We have, I don't know, maybe a dozen rental vehicles. That's just an estimate. It's a lot. I personally took uh, three trips to the farm and back on Sunday, the Sunday after the ride, and my work day that day gets over at about dinner dinnertime. Um, my tradition is to get a giant pizza after that because I feel like I deserve it. Um, and I really like pizza. So that's how the day ends. And then on Monday we go back to work again because there's so many emails I didn't check. And people that need lost and found items pretty bad, like IDs and phones and th- wallets and stuff like that. Um, and if you're a registered writer we, and you can get a hold of us on the Saturday or Sunday, we do give back. Quite a few wallets and phones um, from the River Town. We don't just hold on to them till that Monday, but then sometimes people only email us, and that's when we, Mariah, starts going through all the lost and found and getting through all that, getting returned to people. Uh, we actually had fewer lost and found items this year than we have in the past. I think it's because our lost and found team got a lot of stuff back to people. Uh, they're really good about if a phone has an emergency contact number or if it's unlocked for some reason they'll be able they'll call the top contact the most recent contact to let people know if there's identifying information in say your wallet they'll look you up and return your wallet um, and all sorts of stuff like that so they did a really good job but there still is some stuff left I know Mariah shipped someone back an entire duffel bag yesterday so (laughs) there's all sorts of things in there and I might talk about that later but um, anyway so it all and then after that we take a little break. Uh, obviously some people on the rag Bride team take vacation. Now we kind of stagger it because it's nice to have someone in the office at all times right after the ride. Like I said, people have questions, people have lost and found. There's still a lot of stuff that needs to be wrapped up. Like I need to go through all my inventory, make sure stuff is folded correctly. Uh, Madison and I will work on that. And I take a vacation usually at the end of August. I think I'm going to take a couple days off for the fair, you know, stuff like that. Um, So we will all take breaks just kind of throughout the month Um, and just try to get out there and just go bike and enjoy the weather. Um, That being said, I think that's Murph's last question, isn't it? Yeah, babe, that's it. That's the last question. Thanks for answering all those. You're welcome, Murphology. Um, Okay, so uh, before I close out, I would like to thank our sponsors being Think Iowa City, Primal Wear jerseys, and Bikes to You, bike shop out of Grinnell, Iowa. Um, I won't say more than that. I'm sure that you've heard that little uh, phrase from Mark and TJ a couple times before. They're all fantastic companies, and I couldn't recommend them more. Um, Go look them up on Facebook. They'll be there for you. Um, It'd be a good choice, I'd say. So um, since Murph's not actually here, I have a, a quote for you. Um, to get you going out through the rest of the week and we'll be back next week, probably more normal. Um, and the quote is from our dear friend, Nelson Vales, Nellie, um, who is Olympic cyclist our former Olympic cyclist. I guess it's like being the president. Once you're an Olympic cyclist, you're always one. Um, and you can, (laughs) well, I can tell that because I never see him (laughs) for, except for when we are first starting off on a ride. Okay. So his quote is, um, Oh shoot, my phone turned off. Okay, Uh, don't do the miles, let the miles come to you. Think about it. Sorry Murph for stealing your phrase, haha. Just go bike.
1: Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.